When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome back to Two Girls, One Ship, where we rate, review, and dissect all of your favorite video game romances and relationships. I'm Genesis, the girl who will run a joke so far into the ground that it pops out the other side and becomes funny again. And I'm Vervada, the girl who first played Dragon Age Origins at the tender age of 16 and was forever changed. This episode marks the beginning of Dragon Age December, where we'll be covering the romances in Origins. We'll be starting off with everyone's favorite shape-shifting seductress, Morrigan, the Witch of the Wilds. If you haven't played Dragon Age Origins, or don't like spoilers for a game that came out 12 years ago, then this isn't the podcast for you. These two girls like to go deep into the story with analysis of both the characters and the romance itself. That being said, we're assuming that you already have some of the background knowledge on the game we're discussing. If you're looking for more detailed lore regarding Dragon Age, check out the Dragon Age lore cast. And as always... So here's your fucking spoiler alert. Thank you to the legend who keeps plugging away at all of the Mass Effect research deep dives. All right, let's get into today's episode. Remember, beauty is in the eye of the controller. Morrigan is a Witch of the Wilds, and as one of the many daughters of Flemeth, the sorceress who was the first Witch of the Wilds, and the reason everyone fears the name. Flemeth is a whole thing but we should give you some background about her so you can understand Morrigan a bit better. The origin story of Flemeth that is widely assumed to be true is that she was once a woman who was unfaithful to her husband and then attracted a demon to help her with vengeance when her new lover was killed. There is a lot more to the story, but I'm summarizing. What is important is that over the centuries, Flemeth became the Witch of the Wilds, all capital. A figure of legend, 
and she and her daughters became the stuff of nightmares for any man daring to enter the Sutherlands beneath Ferelden. Flemeth is known by many names, but, but most notably, she is called the Mother of Vengeance by the Chastened People, and Asha Belinar, or Woman of Many Years, by the Dalish Elves. Flemeth is known to have many daughters, all witches themselves, but when you meet Morgan, she's the only daughter left. Morgan has never met any siblings and never learned where the others went. Morgan is young in Dragon Age Origins, but she is a powerful witch in her own right when you first meet her. She's what's considered an apostate, a mage that practices magic outside the circle of magi, and that just adds to her air of danger and mystery. However, she is extremely sheltered and has almost no experience with other people and has never even had a friend before. Flemeth raised her to distrust humans. Her lessons were harsh, and her punishments harsher. Morrigan would often escape to the wilds and sought solace amongst the animals of the Kakari wilds. A world full of people and buildings and things was all very foreign to me. If I wished companionship, I ran with the wolves and flew with the birds. If I spoke, twas to the trees. Sure. Running the hidden pine trails of the forest sounds lovely and all, but her sheltered upbringing from other humans led Morrigan developing stunted social skills. Like a magpie, she is fascinated with shiny things and will tell a warden a sad story about stealing a beautiful mirror from a wealthy lady just for her mother to smash it. Like any child denied something, she secretly longs to learn about a society at large and other people, and especially loves anything that you can't find in the wilds, such as jewelry and pretty clothes. She's extremely sarcastic to the point of appearing uncaring, and due to her mother's influence, is a serious believer in social Darwinism. Morgan prizes her strength and power over all else, at least when you first meet her. As these are the two trials that have led her mother to such a success in her long life. Morgan can't stand foolishness or choosing to help someone in need and will always do whatever it takes to gain power. Beauty and love are fleeting and have no meaning. Survival has meaning. Power has meaning. Without those lessons, I would not be here today as difficult as they might have been. She's basically lived her whole life through the lens of extreme practicality and doesn't understand doing something for a friend without any expectations. It sounds like a sad life. Morrigan represents a common media trope, the Ice Queen. She's the token evil companion, as she'll outright disapprove of any altruistic actions and thinks anyone who is weak for a moment or a lifetime is worthless. She is aloof and detached to the point of open hostility with the other companions, especially Alistair, who has a temp oh, who as a Templar represents everything she despises about men and the controlling aspects of society at large. Alistair is also silly and ignorant, young and sheltered in a much different way than Morrigan, and she has nothing but contempt for him. But that's not all Morrigan is. If you are kind to her, you very quickly see that beneath her thorns, she is a very insecure and vulnerable young woman. In order to romance her, you first must thaw out her heart. This is no easy task, as Morrigan is not out to find love. She's out to have a baby. 
Flemeth allows Morrigan to accompany the warden and their party for a very specific purpose, to defeat the archdemon. But before Morrigan is impregnated through the dark ritual, or what I just call sex, (laughs) dark ritual does sound cooler though. The ritual ensures that the soul of the old god inside the archdemon is trapped inside the baby, which can then be used for whatever witchy plans Flemeth has. Flemeth's theme is to have children just so they can serve as vessels for her purpose. Morgan learns through her mother's grimoire that her many daughters are all dead, and Flemeth has apparently used them to unnaturally extend her life by basically taking over their body. Morgan doesn't know that her mom has these plans for her own body quite yet, but Flemeth has taught her all about the need for power. Morgan's whole life has been lived through the lens of Flemeth preparing her for this purpose. Hmm. My mother's stories curdled my blood and haunted my dreams. No little girl wants to hear about the wilder men her mother took to her bed, using them till they were spent, then killing them. No little girl wants to be told that this is also expected of her once she comes of age. Oh... When we say to have open conversations with your children about sex and sexuality, this is not what we're talking about. Use protection. Consent is key. Your gender identity doesn't have to be defined in a binary. Those are good topics. How to kill a man during the afterglow? Not a good topic. For anyone. At any time. Ever. Yeah, I think we need to be clear that Flemeth is abusive. We witness her hit Morrigan at least once, but mostly mostly it comes from Morrigan talking about her horrible childhood. We learn in Dragon Age Inquisition exactly who and what Flemeth is. Essentially, Flemeth harbors the spirit of an ancient elven goddess named Mithal, but what she is is not important right now. What's important is that Flemeth raised Morrigan for a singular purpose— to be a tool in her war, and the next vessel for Mithal. Who she is fighting isn't clear in Dragon Age Origins. Imagine being raised by someone who ignores your needs completely and only interacts with you in order to instill in you the same harsh, discolored view of the world. Another trope that Morgan falls under is the Black Widow. She's a femme fatale. Her favorite form to shift into is a spider, the epitome of all things feminine and dangerous, She is beautiful, and often characters from all cultures will comment on her beauty. She displays her body in her tattered clothes with disdain, like a weapon, knowing the power she holds simply by letting you see more of her. All of these are lessons her mother taught her. Quick aside, one gameplay aspect is the ability to kick people out of your party. At pretty much any time when you are back at your campsite, you can tell almost anyone to leave your party and that you no longer wish for them to travel with you. Very much an asshole move, but it is a dialogue option available each time you talk to someone. And here's why I bring that up. Chat was just talking about how pretty much everybody in Dragon Age just needs therapy, and I agree. Because abused people can also turn around and abuse people if they do not learn the tools to break that cycle. 
Okay. Morgan has not been through any therapy, and even if you've begun romancing her, you can ask her to leave the party for good. Despite saying that would make things easier, she doesn't want to go. She sounds defeated and rejected, and she says to you, Then I will go if I must, if you tell me to go. You then have three dialogue options of, Then maybe you should. I can't ask you to do that, or, but I need you here. That last option fucks too much with her head, and if you choose it, you get this reaction. You miserable, selfish bastard! Did you hear the slap? Followed. It's not good. This is immediately followed up by Morgan grabbing your lapels and pulling you in for a legitimate 11 second full on makeout scene. And then this tragic line. You will regret this and so will I. And perhaps that is how it must be. It is never okay to hit your partner. Abuse is abuse, and while I understand Morrigan's outrage and reaction to being emotionally manipulated by the warden, manipulating them back is not the answer. This is my Mass Effect 1 cat, cat fight rage. Why allow these options? I will never understand the thoughts of the people who write the scenes of being smacked across the face as an okay thing to do or as a punchline in a joke or that it's not a big deal. No, no, no. I, I do agree with you. I fully agree that you should never hit your partner ever and there's no circumstance that's okay. I mean, unless they're trying to kill you, but um, that's a whole different thing. That's fighting yeah, back and like self-defense. That's a whole other thing. Completely different. Or, but how? I mean, consent mm-hmm. is also a thing, and I get that, but mm-hmm. not yeah. like this. Um, I will say, please don't mistake this for me making an excuse for Morgan, but I do understand why she hit the warden from a character standpoint. She is not a well-adjusted person, and up until she joins the party. The only other people she has interacted with are her abusive mother and any chastened or Templar men her mother has killed, among other things. She probably has no idea that you don't hit people you love. She even says it herself in this scene. I have no experience with any of it. She's never been in love before. And even though she knew all along she was going to use him and leave him, she didn't expect to love him. I think she truly loves him and she hasn't ever felt that before. Men were always just tools to use and discard, not important. I don't think it's her intention to manipulate the warden. I think she's heartbroken, and she's never felt that before. The only reactions she's seen modeled for negative emotions has been physical violence, so it's not surprising that's what she did. She's not right. It's wrong to hit. But I still feel so much pity for Morgan, and I think she'd really hate that. Yeah, I understand it. I do. I just don't like it. And my rage has cooled down. I know. I understand that I can't change the past. I can't change what other people wrote, and I can't change what was in a video game. But if we don't call the bullshit out, the bullshit of 10, 15, 20 years down the road, 
the same mistakes will be made again because nobody spoke out to start with. But before we move on to the analysis and review of Morrigan and the Warden's romance, if not complicated with emotional manipulation and domestic violence, let's take a moment to highlight some listener reviews of our shows. This is a momentous occasion. It's our first official review, and we got two of them. Two of them, two of us. It was meant to be. I'm so excited. This was titled, A Minute After You Said So, from Thanatos572. Okay, I have to focus on this one because it's actually a thing. Genesis has challenged me. Genesis said if I, Toasty McToaster of Toaster Tunvillopolis, wrote words, then Genesis would read the words. So here are the words. I think that this podcast is so very entertaining. I've been listening since the drop of episode zero. I enjoy both Genesis and Vervada's input on the many different aspects of the video game romances they review. They go super into depth on the personalities and physique of each romance. My favorite stuff though is every crazy story Genesis tells us. Anyways, keep up the good work. I look forward to when you get to the Witcher romances. This has been Toasty Toasty McToaster of Toasterton Villopolis. And this is my favorite romance podcast on the Citadel. (laughs) Oh, Toasty, 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 thank you. Like, seriously, Bestie, you are amazeballs. How are Toasty and Jen besties? And why the odd format of a review that says to read the words that were written? Well, you should have been on the Witcher Lorecast livestream, where Toasty guessed my favorite moment in the Witcher books. One moment, I said, what's my favorite? He got it right. And Tom had to read a review where I tried to get him (laughs) tongue-tied. It was kind of funny. And I will go on to the record to say that the name I used was Lord Toasty McToasterton of Toasterton Vidal of Toastertonopolis. So it looks like he still can't figure how to spell it right this week. Stay on the path, good sir. And thank you for being our first reviewer and your very, very kind words. I'm glad you read that one because I don't think I could have said that. All the toast. Um, The next (laughs) review is our second review. And it's momentous because Apollo was our first live stream viewer on Twitch. He's PF Apollo. I'm sorry. There, PF Apollo, on Twitch, and this ha- they've been a staple in both Twitch and Discord since. So here's their review on Apple Podcasts. If you want a well-thought-out and entertaining dive into video game romances, this is the podcast for you. The hosts give wonderful insight into the world of romances and games such as Mass Effect and Dragon Age, while also going off into some highly entertaining tangents. Now add in the guests they have from time to time, and you have a pod capable of entertaining the masses five out of five all day. Thank you so much, PF Apollo. Yay, Apollo. Thank you. Uh, And so I really wish that Spotify had the ability to leave reviews or ratings or anything like that. There's not even like a thumbs up button. And it's like, come on, y'all get with the program. So right now we can only accept and re- 
read reviews on iTunes. So you don't even have to have an iTunes or you don't have to listen on iTunes. You just have to have an iTunes account. So that would be very much appreciated if you left us a review. But before we head back into the main episode, you'll hear some of the other great podcasts on the Robots Radio Network. Once upon a time, 27 years after the bombs fell, there were two people, a vault dweller and a California girl. They met and sparks flew. That's when things got interesting. Once Upon a Wasteland is their story. Follow Elizabeth Kirby and Odessa Valdez as they pursue their happily ever after in the post-apocalyptic Appalachian wasteland of Fallout 76. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other podcasting platforms. Once Upon a Wasteland, a Fallout 76 love story. Available now. Do you love Dragon Age? Have you always wanted to learn more about its vast world and detailed lore? Are you still attached to your hero of Ferelden, even a decade after Dragon Age Origins came out? Or maybe you're a newer fan, still discovering a new tidbit or quest every day. Well, either way, the Dragon Age Lorecast is the podcast for you. I'm Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm Shelby, also known as SheCup. And come and join us as we embark on a journey to explore and discover all things Dragon Age. We'll discuss all kinds of topics, from Lyrium to the Chantry and the great mysteries of the old gods, and even more that even you Bioware superfans might not know about. So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And always remember... Let's get back to Morrigan. Like so many characters in Dragon Age, Morrigan spends most of her time lying to the Warden and hiding her true purpose. If you are a male Warden and wish to romance her, you slowly have to chip away at her deadly facade with kindness and friendship. She will sleep with you on day one if you want, because she wants that Warden baby. But if you want her to love you... That's a different path. First, I want to briefly discuss the relationship between womanhood and witchcraft, because the stereotypes run rampant, and Bioware used them all for Flemeth and Morgan. It's no coincidence that two of the mothers featured prominently in the games are also two of the most feared witches. Motherhood in itself is both life and death. Because when you create a life, you also create a death. Not gonna lie, that fucks me up a little. Bringing a life into this world means that one day that life will end. Yeah, we both are mothers. So if I think about that too much, I'll probably get anxiety. One could also make an argument that magic is synonymous with womanhood in Dragon Age. Mages are second-class citizens, not worthy of trust unless they are made tranquil. 
the best and the worst of mages are both women. Andraste, the pious mage who is painted to be the standard by which all women must live, and Flemeth, an evil seductress who lures men away from the safety of civilization for her macabre purposes. Women who seek their own power and agency are monstrous villains, and those who abide by the rules men set out for them are pure and good. It's a tale as old as Flemeth. What sets Dragon Age apart from most other stories with this stereotype is that the mothers are not matrons. They are both attractive in the conventional sense, and are clearly sexual beings. They are also not attainable, even if you romance Morrigan. Hold on. We might have seen different things, because the Flemeth I met in my playthrough is not attractive at all. Oh, well. See, when you get to Dragon Age 2, she gets a makeover. For those in stream, they can see my background. She's got some cleavage on display. She gets a whole makeover. She's kind of like a swamp witch when you first meet her. But she she gets a makeover. Okay. She gets an Ashley level glow up. She. Mm, I don't know if it's Ashley level. Ashley got a okay. major glow up. Flemeth still looks like the same person, at least. Mm, okay. I have not uh, finished the. I have not finished the first game. Full disclosure on that one. Um, I've gotten pretty dang far into it, but I have not actually finished it yet. All right. But before we get Morgan into our tent, let's talk about some fun facts. Yeah. So Jen's gracious enough to indulge my love of mythology. Now, David Gator, the lead writer for Dragon Age, has said that there's no link between the Morrigan of Dragon Age and the Morrigan in Celtic mythology. But I call bullshit. Sorry, David. I call bullshit. Supposedly, he named her after a character from a LARP event he once ran but I will bet you a whole lot of schmeckles that the character in that LARP was named after the death goddess of Celtic lore. Morian is three goddesses made up of Bive, Maha, and the third name is contested, but usually she is referred to as simply the Morgan. Yes, the Morgan is one of them and all of them. Bive itself means crow in modern Irish, which Morgan obviously uses crow imagery with the feathers on her outfit. She is also a shapeshifter, and she is the goddess of war and fate, the Celtic Morrigan, not the Dragon Age Morrigan. But it's very obviously related to Dragon Age's Morrigan, as the Morrigan can foretell either death or victory in battle. Morrigan literally holds the fate of the Warden in her body. Should you do the dark ritual, you'll live. If not, you die when the Archdemon is slain. Pretty direct imagery, if you ask me, David. To San. And no grace is needed at all. I love it all. A long-term goal of mine is to be able to spend a month in Europe traveling to all the places that I loved reading about as a child. Watching on Xena and listening to on podcasts. The first podcast I ever listened to and still listen to to this day, I think I've been following it for like four years, was about mythology. So I am here for it, honey. Uh, the second was a Greek-specific podcast uh, from a, femi a feminist viewpoint. That one was really good, too. Uh, so I love mythology, and if you want to talk dirty nerdy to me, I'm here for it. 
Alrighty. Now on to Morgan as a lover. As we said, Morgan is not attainable. You can fuck her. You can fall in love with her. And she can fall in love with you. And you can do both. But even if she loves you, she'll leave. It's part of the grand plan Flemeth has for Morgan and for Theodos in general. And Morgan is not willing to turn against her mother. All right, no more mommy issues. Let's take an up close and personal look at what Morgan has to offer a horny warden. Blink, blink. Um, wow. Hi. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for 2009, this is better than expected. The music is a little frilly for my taste, but it is very romantic. It sets a tone of love making and not a fuck fest. The game was prior was made prior to jiggle mechanics, so Morrigan's biggest assets were locked into place as if she were corseted and not wearing a strapless bra. Talk about straining the suspension of disbelief. But aside from that, the facial expressions are on point. The small gasp heard over the music and the sultry way she walks and the multiple position changes. And it was in the middle of the camp. The background scenes clearly show trees and a roaring fire that one would assume are not inside of your tent. It's always interesting to see your PC on your PC naked. That might have more to do with exhibitionism than anything else. Maybe voyeurism? But, uh, yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Let's talk about the dark ritual. Outside, under a full moon, in the middle of a pentagram, candles at the four cardinal element points, as you are the center spirit piece, an athame across the palms and blood in a chalice. With some of the basic witch tropes that we see in this game, that is what I fully expected the dark ritual to be. But nope, it was more vanilla than the passionate love scene. You see your warden lying naked in a bed propped up on his elbows, one leg bent at the knee, artfully hiding the unattractive white man thong. So bad. Oh, and wanna be your baby mama sashays those hips and now does the famous Bioware body crawl. She leans in for a kiss and it fades to black. Tastefully fades to black, of course. <laughs> when I first played this game, I loved the sappy music. It's the same for all the lovemaking scenes, and my hopeless romantic heart really enjoyed that. Aside from the seductive walk up to the warden, I think they did a good job making this romance scene feel very romantic versus pornographic. I also think the dark ritual is tragic, because it's the last time she expects to be with the warden. No matter how great their love, she will not forsake the mission. She has been honed into a witch capable of making the tough choices and has been taught that closeness is a weakness. All of this practicality and survival training has left Morgan an isolated woman who yearns for connection. This is why, as someone who played as a female Dalish elf, I loved Morgan like a sister. Whether you romance her or befriend her, 
I think it's important to show this woman some love. Unfortunately, after the battle against the Archdemon, Morrigan leaves the party and her lover behind. That is, until the Witch Hunt DLC, which takes place nearly a year after that final battle. Flemeth once told me that temptation lies in the forbidden. Do not follow me, I said. Harder words I have never spoken. Some doors should never be reopened. I love her voice. I, I just love it. That's Claudia Black, and you may recognize her from, if you're a fan of Rick and Morty, the Gazorp Azorp episode. I'm here if you need to talk. <laughs> she was in there. I'm going to have to see if there's anything else that she does. Um, but there is a lot of lore involved in this DLC. But it also marks the end of the romance with Morrigan and Dragon Age. She is still around in Inquisition, but your warden is not. And depending on how you play this DLC, the best you can get is the knowledge that wherever Morrigan went when she stepped through the Alluvian, your warden can go with her. Presumably to raise their son together. By the time that you meet Morrigan again, nearly 10 years later in Inquisition, you can also meet Kieran, their son. But the warden is nowhere to be found. No matter who your warden no matter who your warden is, they aren't seen again in the later Dragon Age themes. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a bummer, but it's really difficult to bring a voiceless main character into a voiced game. Because after Dragon Age Origins, all of the protagonists were voiced, which is a great addition, but, you know, sad for the warden. If I romanced Morrigan, I'd like to think that they lived happily ever after, wherever they went in the Alluvian and wherever, hopefully, he came out the other side with her and maybe lived in Orlais with her. But unlike our previous Mass Effect episodes, this wraps up our analysis of Morrigan because this wraps up the romance of Morrigan, at least so far. Jen, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you rate our defrosting ice queen? Hmm... This one I kind of struggled with because I haven't experienced it on my own. I've only watched it um, because my playthrough, I played as a female dwarf. And so I haven't had an, as much time with Dragon Age as I have with Mass Effect and some of the other games that we'll talk about in the future. <sighs> but I would have to say that lore-based and outcome-based and things like that, I'm going to give it a solid 8. I think, yeah, a solid That's 8. That's a high rating. Because it is. Because it feels like a com it feels complete. Yes. I had to I had to get to know you before we fell in love. Sex is sex. Fuck whenever you want. That's fine. But in order for us to have that true emotional bond and connection, it took time to get there. We had to have, you have to have multiple conversations. You have to, you have to put in the effort. Oh, I, yeah, no, I'm gonna go with an eight. That's high. 
I'm going to be a complete departure from what you just said, because I think she makes for an absolute terrible romance. I think she makes for an amazing friend. This woman needs love. She doesn't necessarily need romantic love. And just, I mean, it'd be fine if she would stay with whoever she romanced, but within the bounds of the story in Dragon Age Origins, she leaves. That's always going to happen, no matter if you romance her or not. And if you don't romance her, she also still has to have a baby. So it's either Alistair or Loghain at that point. Um, And I, I just think it's just, it's so tragic because it's, it's tragic for Morgan. She has to rip her heart out the one time she has love. And it's tragic for the warden who, unless we pretend they are happily ever after, after the witch hunt DLC, like his heart gets ripped out too. So I much prefer Mm -hmm. to think that her first foray into a true relationship with another person was a, a friendship. If you play as a female warden, and you're kind to her and you do all the right things to befriend her. She calls you a sister at one point. And I really, mm-hmm. I really think that was so much more powerful because I, I mean, this is probably the feminist in me, but I love the fact that women have hurt her. She's taught to hate men, but women have hurt her in her life. And it, it's just really nice to be the woman who heals her a little bit. So I think as a romance, it's probably like a two for me, maybe a three. But as a friendship, potentially 10 out of 10. Like, I love Morgan. And I think part of the reason I love Morgan as a character so much is she is completely different from who I am as a person. She is all the things I am not. But I still love her. So that's more of like rating her as character. If you were to play as a male warden, how do you think that you would rate the romance? I don't know. I've never played. Every any time I've had an option to be a woman, I've played as a woman. Like I, I just don't. If I had to play as a man, though, um, I, I don't, I don't know if I would romance her. I don't know. Just knowing what I know about her, if I had never played the game before, I would probably romance her because that's what she's designed to do. Like she's. She's there to get your sperm, essentially, you know? So she's kind of like, a she is a spider in her web, and she's luring you in. So if I didn't know anything about her, and I was playing Dragon Age Origins for the first time as a man, I would probably romance her. But um, once I found out what that romance entailed and what her plans were, I would feel really bad about that for everyone involved. Hmm. Yeah, I think she's a friend. Yeah. Sorry if you can hear my cat and my rabbit fighting. I don't know why they're doing that. They're play fighting. No one get worried. Don't call PETA. No. If anybody, I would never call PETA on you. (laughs) I have a a zoo, but they're all very harmonious. It's Disney World in here. I don't know. Uh, Let's see. Okay. I hmm, I might have to go back and like really take another look at it or take a better look at the friendship that my warden has with with her and be like and really look into it. But okay. 
So I promised Toasty that I would have a story for tonight. And it took me a while, like up until, what, yesterday to figure out uh, what the hell tonight's story was going to be about. So I was creating, it was clipping the audios for the, um, for the little game clips and everything like that. And I was like, and after this clip is the perfect time for a crazy gen story about doors. And V, I love your comment that you left on here. <laughs> She's like, um, I'm sorry, doors, please explain. And then I wrote absolutely nothing back in response because I didn't want any spoiler alerts on the crazy gen story about doors. Okay. So I have certain eccentricities, neuroticisms, character flaws, whatever the hell you want to call it. But this one is genetic. I swear to God, it's genetic. Me, my sister, my two aunts, and my dad all have issues with doors. Like physically, the door to the bathroom, the door to the closet, the door to the car, garage doors, all different kinds of doors have to be in certain positions in order for my brain to function correctly. Closet doors cannot be shut. They cannot be left open. So, so what, they're just Schrodinger's door? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they are left ajar. No, but yes, the monster and the... I can't sleep with any doors open. It's a thing. I... At all. Cracked, open wide, no. They must be shut all the way. Mm. No. No, I don't like closed doors. The bathroom door is is also one of the cracked doors. But obviously, if you're in there using it, then the door is closed. But it is that is to remain a cracked door. I've never closed the door leading into my bedroom. It is forever open. I There are certain things with certain doors. I also do not like a door that I've never been on the other side of. What does that mean? <laughs> like, you can't, do you don't like it, but you can walk through it and you're just like, I hate you. Or do you not, you can't walk through it? As in, like, I work at a hotel that has approximately, um, we'll say like 400 doors. You know, there are guest room doors and. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking like I'm, private residence doors. And I was like, what do you do then? Th no. Oh, those two. Oh, really? I mean, I will totally snoop in your house and figure out what that door opens to. I don't like not knowing what's on the other side of a oh, door. You'd love my so house. If I see a door that I, I have signs. I have like, because I'm a basic white bitch. So I have like laundry room sign, a pantry sign. Like, you'll know exactly what's on the other side of my doors. Well, but that's not going to tell me what it looks like. Do you have like a map oh. and a diagram and photographs sitting on the door to let me know what it looks like on the other side of the I door? I didn't realize you needed no. that whole thing. You didn't need the schematic. I, I, do, I need schematics. Like on the yes. back of a hotel door saying where the fire exits are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you ever come over, mm -hmm. I'll do that for you. But only for you. Aw, thanks. Yeah. So Jenny has issues with doors. And I think the funniest story uh, my stepmom loves to tell is that we were at a, 
<laughs> we were at a Disneyland and there is a ride that you walk through. I don't know. It had something to do with a frog. I don't remember. But essentially, you walk through it and then there is a fake door. An absolutely fake door up against the wall. And you can tell that this door leads to what would be on the other side of the door would be the outside of the ride. It's just there to look pretty, but it has a door handle. The door doesn't open. My dad walks by. My stepmom was watching this whole thing. She tells the story. My dad walks by, jiggles the handle to see if he can open the door. My aunt walks by, jiggles the handle, to see if she can open the door. Then my sister walks by, jiggles the handle to see if she could open the door. I walk by, I reach out and she goes, why do you all do that? I was like, so what's on the other side of the door? She goes, it's not a real door. Why do you have to check the door? I jiggle the handle to check the door. And she goes, I'm never going to understand this, am I? If you can tell me what's on the other side of the door, then I won't check the door next time. So, yeah. Jenny has issues with doors. This is why... I don't like not knowing. This is why people of the pale complexions always die in horror movies because we got to see what's on the other side of the door. I've seen your ancestry, so I know you're not full ghost like I am, but still you got enough in you that you're like, what, what's over here? I got to just check it out. And Oh, I heard a noise. I got to see it. And Oh no, noises. Oh, really? Fuck that. Oh good. No. Good. Thank God. No. I'm so worried for you. I don't have to trace the noise. <laughs> No, but like at where I work there, I found out that there was a door in the basement that I hadn't gone through. So I had to talk to engineering to let them <sighs> let me in behind the door. Engineering makes it sound like it's like, a basement. It is. Great. It's a server oh, room. Oh, that's lovely. I'm, he shouldn't have told me that there was another room down there and I never would have known. And then it wouldn't have been an issue. But then he told me that there was a door down there. And then I was like, well, what's behind the door? And he's like, oh, it's nothing. It's just a big room and it's got a whole bunch of weird shit in it. I was like, and then you tell me there's weird shit in it. Now I really got to know what's behind yeah, the door. Yeah, that's not making it sound less attractive to go investigate. That's making it sound more fun. Have you ever been to the Winchester Mystery House? Because I feel like that would just throw you for I a loop. I have. Okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 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 Maybe you're related to I've whoever made that house. Because they're like, we just got to open doors randomly. So we'll just put them everywhere. Go nowhere. Me and my dad got yelled at. For, for opening doors? We kept... Not for opening doors. Like, we kept trying to, like, reach towards door handles. And they're like, please don't open doors. We're not allowing you to open. And... They once we got towards like the end of the tour, there is a door that. Uh... Oh my god! What are you making? That bothers me, Muffin. Whole mm, oh Mm-mm. your face! I was like, she's seeing a she is seeing a spirit right now in her room. There's something going on in there. No, <laughs> You're scaring me. Muffiny says that there is a door that she's she's lived in the house for two and a half years and there's a place in her own damn house she's never been in. I've never been in my crawl space. Do you have to go to crawl spaces too? 
Not generally, but I've been in mine. But that was because there was an AC unit and there was water leaking. Oh. So, like, I there was a legit reason I, for me to I go there. I don't blame... Muffy Cake is my sister, my twin sister, for those of you who don't know. Um, I'm there with her. I, I wouldn't go in the attic. But then... But then I kind of would, maybe I would, because I've read too many stories about these like creepy old people who live in your attic and you don't know that they're there. I've seen that happen before where people just sneak into your house and how do you, no one could sneak into my house. That's why I have so many animals because first of all, my dog is useless, but my cat, my one cat is literally, he will kill you. If he doesn't know who you are, he will kill you. So anyone trying to come and live in my crawl space, just know. The tuxedo cat, he will kill you. Get him, Mary. No, that's not Mary. That's Oliver. Mary is a potato. Mary is perfect. He would do nothing to nobody except for lay there and expose his fat tummy for belly rubs. He is perfect. I had people come clean my bathrooms because I'm rich now. It's amazing. I'm not really rich, but I have a job. So <laughs> but they came and cleaned my bathrooms. And that freaking cat, three strangers, he walked right up to them, rolled over on his back, exposed his belly. And I was like, you would die outside. Like, I know they say cats have domesticated themselves. Like, we didn't make them do it. But something went wrong with my cat, Mary. He's a little dumb. He's so perfect, though. I love him so much. Hmm. One day. One day I will come rub the belly of the man. He has a magic tongue. He's amazing. Oliver, on the other hand, is a gangster. He will fight you. He doesn't give a shit. He will take on all comers. And he has. I had to hire someone to come let my dog out when I was in school and working full time a couple years ago. She needed to be taken out like halfway through the day because I was away from home for way too long. And that freaking cat attacked her every time. She still came. I don't know. She was brave. Yeah. So, yeah. If I told you my cat was on the other side of the door, would you open it? Absolutely. Rip. By Genesis. It, yeah. It doesn't matter. It's a door. And uh, I get along so well with cats that even like the ones who are like people say, oh, she's evil. She's evil. That thing is a little dickhead. Generally, those cats, they don't love me, but they don't out right be hostile to me and attack me i don't know i every time i think i understand my cat ollie i don't (laughs) and i am i'm an insane cat person like i have fostered so many cats i've lost count i he he's just there's something violent about him he only likes me he hates my child he most he actually kind of likes my husband in a different way like, for some reason, after my husband showers, when his hair is still wet, he has to lick it. And he has to lick his legs when they're still wet from the shower. And then he bites you. Um, he doesn't ever do that to Fun. me, which is nice, because I would hate that. But um, he, his love is pain. I don't know. He's great. He's also just terrible. Oh, speak of the devil. Not really. Speak of the angel. Speak of the angel. An archangel? I wish, but it's actually my sweet potato, Mary Doc Brandybuck, aka Mare oh, Bear. Hold on. What about 
Speak of an angel, this one. Oh, yes. Angel, the show angel. Wow, I'm really feeling that huge glass of wine that I just finished. <laughs> well, we're done with Morgan, everyone. So should we're we, just bitching. Should we get to plugging? Yeah, we should, we should talk about ourselves more. Why do you smell like pee? What's wrong with you? My cat, man. I don't I... V says, let's start talking about ourselves. Why do you smell like pee? No, I'm sorry. I just came and laid in my lap and something's wrong with him. I don't know. Uh... We are two girls, one ship, and it's an absolute shit show on some days, but we hope that you really enjoy it. Find us on all the Twitters, Instagrams, uh, and the Robots Radio Discord. Yes, we have our own chat in there, and we post sultry pictures of Garris pillows in there, apparently, that I have to look at still. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that was in the main chat. No. Just kidding. That was in the Mass Effect forecast chat. Now she'll have to post it in our Two Girls, uh, One Ship chat, just because can't make me a liar. And not censored. I put the spoiler alert on it, because it really does look like uh, that is a Turian penis. But it's not, and I swear it's not. Um, do they have what I want. cloaca? But a cloaca is just an inside. It, that is an entry point and an exit point, not a penetration style. Hmm. Maybe it's a hemipene. I'm not a biologist, so I'm not going to pretend to know what I'm talking about. But I know hemipene's a real word, and that makes me giggle. It's just funny. I don't know. I thought peen was like a f- pretend make it up word, but it's not. It's like a science word. Mm-hmm. I love um, science. It is also why... Uh, so back in the day, uh, the word e-peen was used quite a bit in my uh, MMO days. The massive multiplayer mm-hmm. online role-playing games. Uh, an e-peen was basically how big is your internet dick? Show me, you know, show me your stats. Show me your skills. Show me your e-peen. Mm, I wouldn't have one because I, I don't I don't do that stuff. One time I played Call of Duty live on Xbox 360 when it was first a thing. And I took one step out of cover and I got a headshot and I died. And I was like, this isn't fun. So I, st- I stopped. I was like, I'm, I'm a solo player because I'm not good enough to play with all these big kids. Also, um, my sister just mm. texted me. She's mad because I didn't say that Oliver, my demon cat, he loves her. So I need to make it clear that he does love another person. He loves three people in the entire world. And that doesn't include my child, unfortunately. And I would also like to thank Apollo for asking for a cat parade and not a show us your kitty. (laughs) Um, I'm here for cat parade. I only have two cats. They're both fat. One of them's sweet, one of them's not, but I can show them to you guys next week because I'm sleepy. Mine is not in the room. Oh, I know. Very surprisingly. Jen's cat's name is Maya. Mm-hmm. She is cute, as all cats are. Mm-hmm. And if you have a cat, you should listen to our podcast and follow us on social media. And I see the credits are playing, so yay, cats. Yeah. Two girls, but one it cat. it didn't show it. Two cats. <laughs> one cat is not enough. We need more than one cat. 
They gotta have a friend. My husband gave me too much wine. I, <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. I'm liking this version. Dude, I don't drink. I breastfed my child. So I haven't drank in like years, like actual years. So. Oh, well, no, not really. I had wine last right, time. Let, let's do this. Let us end the podcast here. <laughs> oh, okay. We will end the podcast here. Thank you, everybody, so much. Um, I do not think that I will be able to do the thing that I said that I wanted to do about pulling an all-nighter tonight to do all the editing. We'll see. We'll see. Um, no worries. But thank you so much, everybody. I'm going to end the podcast here so we will stop recording on Audacity. But babes, let's just switch to just chatting and keep going. I like Drunk You. Thank you so much for joining in with us tonight. This one was definitely one for the record books. And as always, you can find us in our Two Girls, One Ship chat on the Robots Radio Discord channel. And come give us a follow on all the social medias. We are Two Girls, One Ship, all spelled out T-W-O-G-I-R-L-S-O-N-E-S-H-I-P. And of course, you can find us here live every Friday at twitch.tv slash two girls one ship. We start recording around 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 Pacific, and we release podcast episodes every Sunday. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a fantastic night. Hello, Vault Dwellers. Join me, Jax's sassy lady Romer, Eric, and the creator, Maverick, as we take topics from the Fallout universe and discuss them with other diverse individuals. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow us on YouTube. You can also find us on Twitter, or X, or whatever you want to call it, using at FalloutRTD. You can send us an email using FalloutRTD at gmail.com. Join us. The conversation has already started.